0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tepiso maledu a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of this show. In this episode, we'll take a close look at some of the common ethical dilemmas in the coaching industry with my guest, Maria Bicare. Maria Bicare is a consultant and executive coach, a lecturer at University of East London, Athens a researcher on ethics, and the president of the European Mentoring and Coaching Council in Greece. Today, I'll discuss with Maria her findings from a research she conducted on ethical dilemmas in coaching today. We'll delve into the findings of her research in our conversation. I am delighted to have you on the show. A warm, warm welcome to the show, Maria.
1: Thank you very much, Wendy. I'm very happy to be here today with you.
0: Thank you. So, Maria, one of the standing features of the show is that our guests share one interesting fun fact at the beginning about themselves, and we wrap up the show with future predictions. So can you please share with our listeners one interesting fun fact about yourself or any fact that you'd like to share about
1: yourself? Oh, <laughs> a fun A fact about myself is that I was very shy when I was a child. I was, uh, you know, the child who was hiding behind the curtains when people came to the house and my mother was trying to motivate me to come and say hello. And I would say I was very shy until I was 35, Or, uh, you know, at at that age. But gradually, I discovered that I had enough courage to be in front of people and talk and give presentations and all of that. So I think that gives courage to other people who are shy. 100% thank you for sharing such a courageous story.
0: And I'm sure that it's inspiring most of our listeners, you know, to to come out of that space, um, as you say, That you were once shy and now you are a speaker at conferences. It's a wow.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So before we start with the work that you've done, I'd like to just say thank you so much for the great work of pioneering on this topic on ethics in the coaching profession. But ethics is a big topic, uh, Maria. What sparked your interest in in ethics?
1: Uh, In my opinion, ethics is the basis for everything we do because everything we we do is driven by our values and uh, ethics defines the quality of what we do ethics defines the quality of our work of our presence and uh, it also defines the way we relate to others so at least in in coaching we need to be very careful about what ethics we carry ourselves and how we do our work according to the ethics of our context. So we should be aware of our own ethics and of what is the right thing or the moral thing to do.
0: That's so interesting, Marie. I think you're identifying key things there that it has ethics has to do with our values, the quality of our relationships. And it also really defines everything that we do um, in life. But maybe then let's take a step back to define what ethics is. So how do you define ethics, maybe personally and professionally? um, Can you define ethics for us?
1: Yes. In coaching, I would say ethics has more to do with business ethics, which is a form of applied ethics. In coaching, as professionals, we should agree on a set of principles and uh, specific standards that we follow. And that is part of the applied ethics. So the way that we do the right thing for the client, for the context. Ethics in general has more to do with moral philosophy, which is a discipline. It's connected to what is morally good and what is morally bad. It's part of the moral philosophy. But in our case, in coaching, we we should talk about applied ethics, a practical application of what is a good thing to do in a specific profession to make it simpler lovely
0: so there's that notion when we talk about it from a professional point of view particularly in coaching you say it's about principles that we adhere to as coaches and from a personal point of view it's just the moral philosophy between the good and the bad yeah but I'm also just curious because you also said earlier on that Ethics have got to do with everything that we do, right? Now that we cannot define it, how else do you think people are using ethics and why are they important in everything that they do in
1: their day-to-days? We use our ethics um unconsciously because it's just the way we operate. Ethics are embedded in our beliefs. So What we do in professional organizations with codes of ethics and standards and all that is somehow to define some ethics that should be followed. So what we can do as professionals is to keep reflecting on our ethics, keep reflecting on the way we do things so that we have some uh, better understanding of our own ethics And then as organizations, for example, the international coaching organizations, what they could do is to have more conversations about ethics with more people from different cultures, because ethics vary significantly between cultures. What is good in one culture may be indifferent in another culture, and what is positive in one culture may be bad in another culture. And I think the way we could be more conscious about it is to to keep reflecting on the way we do things and why we make the decisions we make when we coach somebody. Why did I ask that question to that person? Did that question help that person? Or was it, it was a question that... I asked because this is my thinking and I should expand my own thinking so that I can ask different questions to my clients and expand their thinking and their options.
0: There's a lot packed in what Maria said here. Ethics is a big topic. And not just an underlying basis of everything we do, but also that the questions of right and wrong can vary widely between different cultures, between an individual and an organization, and even people within the same cultural background. So I wanted to narrow the topic to the coaching profession. I asked Maria to identify and describe some of the more common ethical dilemmas specific to the coaching practice that she discovered in her research.
1: The majority of dilemmas arise when there is a clash of values between the client and the coach. So the client had an idea about something and they said that I will do this and this is my goal and they found that that was the right thing to do, and the coach had the personal opinion about that, which was opposite to that. So the coach had to to deal with their own idea, and they had to uh, you know to, to, to reflect on that and get over that and act as a coach and not as a person with an opinion. That was very common. And what was very, very common too were issues related to confidentiality, which is, again, very common when the sponsor asks the coach for information about the program and how the coach is doing and if there is any progress and all of that. And this is really a difficult topic to handle because, you know, there is confidentiality up to a point and then... You cannot provide any information about, I mean, you, you can discuss the goals with a, with a sponsor, of course, at the organization because you have the, the contract, but you cannot go into detail. And in some cases, sponsors or other stakeholders would ask for more information from the coach. And that, although it is very clear in our code of ethics, uh, it, it still uh, causes dilemmas. Also, there is another category of dilemmas with the client. For example, the coach may have a dilemma if the client is involved in something that is in in a gray area, is not exactly banned, but not allowed by the company. So this may cause a dilemma. Or uh, in some cases where the personal relationship between the coach and the coachee evolves to something different than the coaching relationship. Um, There are cases where dilemmas are related to the client's management and to financial issues. For example, if I can sell a bigger contract that the client doesn't need, should I do it or not? So there are different dilemmas, like the examples I, I gave you.
0: Mm. I, I mean, that's quite interesting. I'm sure coaches who are listening to this conversation, they can completely identify, especially around the confidentiality piece. They're like nodding all the way through. So as we go back to your research now, it mentions that 72% of your respondents said they had one to four dilemmas in in the past year of the research, so to speak. So were you surprised by this
1: high number from your respondents? Um, in fact, most of them were in the category of one dilemma per year, mm-hmm. which is okay. I mean, I would expect that. But you know, what was very revealing were the conversations. I mean, the, the interviews I took before the survey. And uh, I noticed that more experienced coaches with more years of uh, of coaching experience, in a way, they observe more dilemmas. They have their way to solve them, but they still have more dilemmas because they have a deeper thinking of coaching and the responsibility of the coach to ask the right question and what the right question is. And you know what was also uh, interesting was that dilemmas change over time. I mean, the more experience you have as a coach, then you have different dilemmas. I would say more sophisticated. A new coach may have a lot of dilemmas that are related to their own ability. And uh, also in the in the survey, it's very evident. You you can see it in the graphs that. Uh, coaches that have experience of one up to three years. So they are novice coaches with not much experience, with not so many cases and not so many clients, you know, because when you are a new coach, you you don't have so many clients. Your dilemmas are around you and and your ability to manage different situations, to manage different clients and all of that. As you, you work with more clients and you have more experience this category that is related to ownability drops. And what gains more points is our issues related to confidentiality, because when you are a professional coach with sponsors and stakeholders and all of that, you have an issue with confidentiality in an organization. Gradually, when we reach that category of coaches who have an experience of 10 years and, and more than 10 years, then the category about dilemmas that are around myself as a coach, this category goes up a bit again. But in, in this case, the dilemmas are more uh, sophisticated because the coaches have more experience at this stage and they have dilemmas about the kind of questions they ask the way they relate to the other person, and if there are other questions that they should ask in a specific situation. Of course, when you have 10 years experience, you know how to handle different cases, but you know, you, you have questions about coaching itself and more philosophical questions about it. So this is how it evolves with time.
0: Hope you're enjoying my conversation with Maria B. I find it very interesting the difference and the progression of dilemmas that new versus experienced coaches face. First, it's thinking more about your own competencies as whether you're taking the right approach to a coaching session to then thinking more about the overall system, its impact and the problems that come out of the system. I'm also thinking how this can be applicable to our personal lives. With more experience, the thinking becomes more sophisticated. And as our career progresses, the complexity of dilemmas in terms of making career decisions increases. So as we move forward in our conversation, I wanted to focus a bit more on one of the most common dilemmas that Maria identified, namely the conflicting interest between the coaches, the coachees and the sponsoring organization. I asked Maria to share any advice on how organizations can avoid such a multi-stakeholder dilemma and what to do if it arises.
1: I would say that it's a very good practice that before starting a coaching program with um, with a coach in an organization, we have the, the the conversation with the sponsor and the coachee and their manager, so we are all aligned. What I would be very happy to see is that there is a transparency in in all that, because there are some cases where it's not very clear what the organization wants from the person, from the coachee. And although we go to a meeting, we agree on specific roles, then the coachee doesn't get the support in the organization, because there is some other agenda about the person. And, and that doesn't help very much the, the person to develop. But I think it's, it's a very good practice to have this alignment with the coachee and the sponsor. And this is something that most professional coaches do. And also, I would suggest that we go with the goal of the coachee. I mean, the priority should be the goal of the coachee. In some cases, that the coachee agrees with a goal suggested by their sponsor. There are cases that we cannot progress very much with that. I mean, they they agree on that. They say, yes, my sponsor, my manager is right. I should develop this. But if they don't deeply believe in that, then there might be difficulties later on in, in the program. So I would say that our practice to have this alignment with, with a sponsor is a very good practice and we should always consider as primary goal, the goal that the coachee wants. Thank you for those key
0: notes. The first one is contracting to create alignment with the client in case the organization comes back and say, we want you to do this or disclose this information. You can actually go back to the contract. I think I love that. And just also putting the coachee back at the driver's seat, being the one that drives the goal alignment or the goals that they choose for themselves. Thank you for sharing on that. Just before we bring this into a close there, Maria, you are the president of MECC Greece, What then, from your perspective, what can professional coaching bodies such as the MECC do to really increase coaching knowledge and awareness of ethical practice to support organizations?
1: Uh, Thanks for this question. I think that we should talk more about ethics. We should discuss more about ethics and have open conversations about ethical dilemmas and ethical issues in everything we do. Because, you know, we have the Code of Ethics and all the, the coaching organizations, we have codes of ethics, but people don't use them that much. They usually discuss their dilemmas at supervision. But, you know, there is not much conversation about ethics. And I think that we should have more conversations about ethics so that people realize that everything we do... Every question we ask in the framework of a coaching uh, program, it comes from our ethics. So we should have more conversations about ethics and what kind of thoughts we should have when we make decisions and ask questions in a coaching program.
0: So let's bring this to a close and let's land this conversation with our last question around future predictions. And I know I'm asking a lot from you with these questions, but where do you see this topic about ethics going? What does it look like in three years, in five years' time?
1: One thing I'm thinking about is how we deal with ethics you know, in platforms and in artificial intelligence uh, applications and all of that. Because now, I mean, a lot of coaching is delivered on platforms. So I think there are ethical dilemmas there, which at the moment are handled in a way automatically by the engineers who are designing the applications. And from my perspective, I have very specific Dilemmas related to artificial intelligence that is used in those coaching applications. And I think that the engineers who are designing them do not have the expertise with coaching so that they could you know provide the right answers to, to those dilemmas. One thing about the future is that is that the, the dilemmas in artificial intelligence. The second prediction is a real need for coaching to become a regulated profession at some stage. We are still far from that, but I think that we should be more focused on finding ways to regulate coaching because it will be a way to provide a very safe service to our clients. And... uh, the third prediction is, I think, about supervision, which is evident in the, in the survey, that people use supervision t- to discuss all their dilemmas and that our colleagues, coaches, understand the, the value of uh, supervision. And I think that supervision will be even more used in the future. Beautiful. Thank you so much
0: for those three predictions. I don't want to add, subtract to them. Let's watch the space in how the topic of coaching and in ethics um Evolve. Thank you so much, Maria, for your time. And once again, thank you for being a thought leader and pioneering in the space of coaching and ethics. I think you're doing a great job. And thank you for your time with us.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation and for this conversation. Great. I really enjoyed it. Maria has shifted
0: my perspective on how I view the topic of ethics. One of the key learnings is that everything we do in our personal and professional lives is underpinned by ethics and coaching as a practice is no different. If you like what you've heard and want to explore more, head over to coachhub.com to learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other streaming platform, please give us a rating and leave a comment. Thanks everyone for listening and subscribing to our show as we seek to inspire professionals to be the greatest versions of themselves by bringing you the best of science and research on individual learning, development, organizational transformation, and personal well-being. Next month, we're taking a short break to regroup, but we'll be back in August with more insights and predictions about the future of work and leadership. Stay tuned and we'll see you soon. Happiness.